Chapter Thirty Nine of the Wyvern Mystery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The Wyvern Mystery by Joseph Sheraton Lefanu. Chapter Thirty Nine: An Abduction so far as a man not very resolute can be said to have made up his mind to anything charles fairfield had quite made up his driven thus fairly into a corner to fight his battle now and decisively he would hold no terms and offer no compromise let her do her worst she had found out his secret oh brother harry had you played him false and she had quoted your opinion against him had you been inflaming this insane enemy with an impracticable confidence well no matter now all the better perhaps there was already an end of concealment between that enemy and himself and soon would be of suspense god help me at the eve of what an abyss i stand that wretched woman poor as she is and nearly mad in a place like london she'll be certain to find lawyers only too glad to take up her case and force me to a trial first a trial to prove a marriage and make costs of me and then heaven knows what more and the publicity and the miserable uncertainty and alice poor little alice merciful heaven what had she done to merit this long agony and possible ruin he peeped into the dining-room as he passed but all was there as he had left it alice had not been in it so at the kitchen door he knocked who's there is anyone there encouraged by his voice old dulcibella answered from within the door was opened and he entered a few moments silence except for alice's murmured and sobbing welcome a trembling close embrace and he said with a gentle look and a faint tone alice darling i have no good news to tell everything has gone wrong with me and we must leave this let dulcie bella go up and get such things as are necessary to take with you but dulcie bella mind you tell nobody your mistress is leaving this and alice you'll come with me we'll go where they can neither follow nor trace us and let fate do its worst we may be happier yet in our exile than ever we were at home and when they have banished me they have done their worst his tenderness for alice frozen for a time had returned as she clung to him her large soft gray eyes looking up in his face so piteously moved him he had intended a different sort of speech colder drier and under the spell of that look had come this sudden gush of a better feeling the fond clasp of his arm and the hurried kiss he pressed upon her cheek i said alice happier happier darling a thousandfold for the present i speak in riddles you have seen how miserable i am i'll tell you everything by and by a conspiracy i do believe an unnatural conspiracy that has worn out my miserable brain and spirits and harassed me to death i'll tell you all time enough and you'll say it is a miracle i have borne it as i do don't look so frightened you poor little thing we are perfectly safe i'm in no danger but harassed incessantly only harassed and that thank god shall end 
he kissed her again very tenderly and again and he said you and dulcibella shall go on clinton will drive you to hatherton and there you'll get horses and post on to cranswell and i will overtake you there i must go now and give him his directions and i may as well leave you this note i wrote it yesterday you must have some money there is some in it and the names of the places and we'll be there to-night and what is it darling you look as if you wish to ask me something i-i i was going to ask but i thought perhaps i ought not until you can tell me everything but you spoke of a conspiracy and i was going to ask whether that dreadful woman who got into my room has anything to do with it nonsense child that is a miserable mad woman he laughed dismally just wait a little and you shall know all i know myself she's not to stay here i mean of course if anything should prevent our leaving this to-day why should you fancy that he asked a little enigmatically mrs tarnley said she was going to the madhouse we'll see time enough you'll see her no more he said and away he went and she saw him pass by the window and out of the yard and now she had leisure to think how ill he was looking or rather to remember how it had struck her when he had appeared at the door yes indeed worn out and harassed to death thank god he was now to escape from that misery and to secure the repose which it was only too obvious he needed dulcibella returned with such things as she thought indispensable and she and her mistress were soon in more animated discussion than they had engaged in since the scenes of the past night charles fairfield had to make a call at farmer chubbs's to persuade him to lend his horse about which he made a difficulty it was not far up the glen towards church carwell but when he came back he found the grange again in a new confusion when charles fairfield ascending the steep and narrow road under which tall trees darkly mounts from the glen of carwell to the plateau under the grey walls of the grange had reached that sylvan platform he saw there looking in the direction of cressley common in that dim religious light tom clinton in his fustian jacket scratching his head and looking it seemed with interest after some receding object a little behind him similarly engrossed stood old mildred tarnley with her hand above her eyes though there was little need of artificial shade in that solemn grove and again a little to her rear peeped broad-shouldered lily dogger standing close to the threshold of the yard door tom clinton was first to turn about and sauntering slowly toward the house he spoke something to mrs tarnley who waiting till he reached her turned about in the same direction and talking gravely and looking over their shoulders as people sometimes do in the direction in which a runaway horse has disappeared they came to a standstill at the door under the great ash tree whose columnar stem is mantled with thick ivy and there again looking back the little girl leaning and listening unheeded against the doorpost the group remained in conference had charles fairfield been in his usual state of mind his curiosity would have been piqued by an appearance of activity so unusual in this drowsy household as it was he cared not but approached looking down upon the road with his hands in his pocket listlessly 
mrs tarnley whispered something to tom and jogged him in the ribs looking all the time at the approaching figure of charles fairfield the master of the grange approached looked up and saw tom standing near with the air of one who had something to say mrs tarnley had drawn back a little doubtful possibly of the effect on his nerves well tom chubbs will lend the horse said charles we'll go round to the stable i've a word to say tom touched his hat still looking in his face with an inquiring and ominous expression do you want to say anything particular tom asked his master with a sudden foreboding of some new ill nothing sir but squire rodney of rydell has come over from wickford he's here is he asked charles taylor on a sudden he's gone sir please gone is he well well there's not much in that twas only sir that he brought two men we him do you mean you don't mean what men did he bring well they was constable folk i believe they must have been for they made an arrest a what do you mean he made out a writin and he had me in and questioned me but i had nought to tell sir and he asked where you was and i told him as you ordered i was to say you was gone he took the mistress's her story and made her make a oath on and the same with the others mrs tarnley and the little girl and the blind woman she be took up for murder or i don't know for what only he said he could not take no bail for her so they made her sure and has took her off i do suppose to wickford prison of course that's right i suppose all right eh charles looked as if he was going to drop to the earth so leaden was his hue and so meaningless the stare with which he looked in tom's face but but who sent for him i didn't damn you who sent for him twasn't i and and who's master here who the devil sent for that meddling rascal from wickford charles's voice had risen to a roar as he shook tom furiously by the collar springing back a bit tom answered with his hand grasping his collar where the squire had just clutched him i don't know i didn't and i don't believe no one did it's a smart run from here across the common i don't believe no one sent from the grange i'm sure no one went from this not a bit not a toe not a soul i'm sure and certain what's this what's this what the devil's all this tom said the squire stamping and shaking his fist in the air like a man distracted why did you let her go why did you let them take her damn you i've a mind to pitch you over the cliff and smash you well sir said tom making another step or two back and himself pale and stern now with his open hand raised partly in deprecation where's the good o blamin me what could i do wi the law again me and how could i tell what you'd think and twarn't no one from this sent for him not one but news travels apace and who's he can stop it not me nor you said tom sturdily and he just came over of his own head and nabbed her my god it's done 
i thought you would not have allowed me to be trampled on and the place insulted i took ye for a man tom where's my horse by heaven i'll have him i'll make it a day's work he'll remember that damned rodney coming down to my house with his catchpoles to pay off old scores and insult me with his fist clenched and raised charles fairfield ran furiously round to the stable-yard followed cautiously by tom clinton End of chapter thirty nine recording by john brandon